All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Heavy Checklist. This is a podcast designed to make your life better, easier, more successful, happier, literally anything that uh, you could possibly do to improve yourself. We teach you little tips and tricks that we've learned along the way. Now, if you're familiar with the show, you know that at the end of every episode, we leave you with some checklist items, which are basically things that um, we want to give you that you can put into practice today. You know, we started this because one of my biggest gripes about podcasts was I love listening to big picture and, you know, big motivational things, but there would be times when I would listen to a podcast and I wasn't sure quite what to take away from it because it was such a big, overwhelming message that I really wasn't 100% sure how I could implement it into my life immediately. And since I'm a person that does like to move quickly and I do in fact, like instant gratification in a lot of different ways, especially when it comes to becoming a better person. I wanted to figure out how to make these things happen more quickly in my own life. Therefore, the podcast was born. And I got to tell you, you guys are amazing. You listeners are phenomenal. Like the feedback we've been getting on this podcast, I mean, within 48 hours of going live, we hit number four, literally number four podcast in the entire world. We held number one position in the business category forever. And uh, thanks to you guys. And the messages and the feedback and the emails that we're getting from people saying that these simple things that we're teaching are literally changing lives, we got to thank you guys for that. So please keep the feedback coming because that is the reason we do this, right? Like, I mean, without that, there's there's no other motivation to do this. So thank you for that feedback. Now, I got to tell you guys a couple of important announcements. Um, The Heavy Academy. We talked about this last week. I've talked about it on my social media. This is very, very important for those of you who have your own business, like, you know, little entrepreneurs, small business owners, which a lot of our listeners are. If you want to find uh, the tips and tricks and learn the things that we have done to grow our business over the years, we are going to open up a two-day conference, basically a mastermind in Las Vegas on February 15th and 16th. And this conference is designed to basically teach you all the stuff that nobody else teaches. We want to get into the nitty gritty of your business and how it can become better. We're going to teach you how to use social media more effectively. We're going to teach you how to use social media influencers. This will be probably the most important thing you could possibly do for your business um, ever or up until this point. So please, if you're interested in learning directly from us, you're going to sit down with me and my team and we're going to dissect your business. It's going to be February 15th and 16th in Las Vegas. You can register at uh, heavydsparks.com and, uh, There's only 100 seats available. So if you don't get in, it will sell out. And we're not going to be like, oh, there's another magical 100 seats available. Like when it sells out, it is sold out. So get registered now. One important thing to know about the Heavy Academy is it is not just some, uh, you know, rah pep talk, come in and feel good, get rich quick seminar. It's not that at all. It's two full days of very, very specific information that's going to apply to your business that if you apply the next day or the following week after the seminar, you're going to make more money. That's just, that's just how it is. And um, I've never done this before. I've never kind of pulled back the curtains on the business to show everybody how we do it and the tips and tricks. And believe me, there are tips and tricks to be able to grow your business more quickly. So to help you guys understand uh, how this podcast is going to work, I doubt we're ever going to run big ads and commercials because I can't stand personally listening to a podcast that's full of ads and commercials. Instead, we will utilize this platform to promote uh, opportunities like this, where we're going to you know, put together conferences and seminars and masterminds where we can meet with you guys and help you become better. And that is how we will use this 
to promote our business and to help you at the same time. So no annoying ads. Instead, we're going to find ways to get together and become better people. So please, please, please don't wait to register because when it's sold out, like I said, there's no extra seats available. So heavydsparks.com, Heavy Academy, February 15th and 16th in Las Vegas. You do not want to miss it. All right, so with that announcement, I will get right into the podcast this week. I'm pumped for this week's podcast, but before I do that, I got to introduce you or reintroduce you to my co-hosts, who also happen to be some of my very best friend. The plural. Yep. Right. Nah, no, we're good. We'll leave that in. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Listening to the Heavy Checklist Podcast. So, one funny thing about this podcast is uh, there's a fine line between being perfectly polished and, you know, when you listeners hear it, no mistakes, no edits, and then real life. And we try to make sure to leave in some of those real moments so that you guys understand that we're just real dudes. Like, I, I like to hear people make mistakes like that because it makes me feel like it's more raw, more authentic. So, for you listeners, if you don't like those mistakes, deal with it. But I feel like a lot of you do because you do you know that it's more authentic and more real. So yeah, it's a lot more organic. Back to the introduction, we've got at the far end of the table, Mister Diesel Dave, my uh, business partner, my partner in crime, my co-parent. He uh, lived in my basement for a long time, helped me raise my kids. Yep. Just all around, best dude in the world, Diesel Dave. Welcome. Perfectly polished. Is that you? Yeah, that's me. I don't know if that's uh, look at me. Well, that's what, that's what I'm saying. I see the PP pride. I see power. I see one badass mother who don't take no shit off. Is, what does he say? No crap off of no. nobody. Yeah, it's probably it's a PG movie, so it probably says crap. For those of you who don't, don't know the take reference, no, from no one. Is How about this? this hands? Do you know the reference? He doesn't. Yeah. Okay, but cool then again, runnings. hands doesn't cool know runnings. Yeah, 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 yes, yeah, that's yeah. a cool runnings reference. I see pride. I see power. Yeah, I see a Thank bad you. mother. Yeah. I knew exactly yeah. what I set you up for. Yeah, no, it was nice. Yeah. That you could have away with bumps that spike. That off. You could have trailed off and no one would have known. Exactly. Yeah. Which leads us to our next guest, Mr. Trailoff himself, Kenny Thompson, world-renowned real estate guru, but he is not a guy who's been out there selling seminars and selling like foreclosure deals because he's actually running a real estate business and stacking bread. Right, Kenneth? I do love what I do, and that's all we do. And you do it very well. So Kenny's a longtime friend of mine. We've known each other since like fourth grade, since I got his uh, dirt bike impounded uh, on the side of Highway 89. Uh, he let me borrow it for a second. I did a couple wheelies. Cops showed up. I wiped my hands, and Kenny dealt with the consequences, and we've been best buddies ever since. I so, think you took the girls, to too. I, I think I did, take, I did take the girls. And luckily, I got my dirt bike back. Yeah, at some point. But that girl, she never returned. Yeah, well, she went to a better place. Yeah, (laughs) bad boy. And then uh, that brings us to our last but not least. Cue the air horns. DJ DJ Marcus in the Marcus Wing. Yeah. Oh, nice. In the mix. Yeah, I just added that. that. Yeah. Yeah, I just did I was it. actually going to prepare some Felt sound right. effects for your intro, but uh, then I didn't. So, so you know, I think it's more natural. Known. It's not formally known. No. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm, we're I'm bringing back DJ it. Marcus Wing. Yes, yes, yes. We're bringing back DJ although, Marcus Wing. I'll probably run a although, poll. Although, big Marcus Wing is still my handle, and on this week, I plan on removing the underscore. You know what I changed? It's just going to be big? Well, yeah. I'm taking your advice. Is it available? 
I don't know, but hopefully nobody steals this. I'm not posting until I do. Well, I think Hans is going to do some homework here at the end of the table for us to make sure. Yo, but Hans. I feel like uh, I'll run a poll on my Instagram. Uh, for those of you who think it should be Big Mark Swing, you can vote for that. For those of you who think he should go back to his roots and, and you know embrace his true identity as DJ Marcus Swing, DJ. I would appreciate a vote for that. So anyways, uh, DJ Marcus Swing, one of my longtime best friends. Um, and just an all-around good dude, six foot seven Italian stallion. This guy is uh, this. What I love about Marcus is he is he is the perfect. Uh, he embodies the average listener perfectly. Marcus is just a regular dude, just like all of us. But Marcus more so than anybody because he is just. Why are you such a regular dude? I don't know because I don't like wearing fancy things and dressing up. No offense, Kenny. Oh, they, but, I mean, that's true. There's a difference saying, for the listeners yeah. who don't see. Kenny's wearing a nice Like my goal shirt. in life is to always wear a backwards hat and to yep. be able to wear a t-shirt and wear jeans and not have to be like the average, like, you know, suit and collar type guy. You yeah, know what I mean? That's true. Which is why it's my you interest. are perfect for this podcast because you give us insight from a different level, a different, uh, different perspective than other people can give us. I really think that it's my six weeks of college education that really helped me just shine here, you know? Well, get that I, feel, great I felt input. like it was probably my four weeks, but I mean, however you want to take the credit for it, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. Who has the least amount of college education here at the table? I got six weeks. Hans has zero weeks? Twice. I took college twice. To college twice. I don't know if that's What does actually, that mean? I took college twice. Does How that mean you exactly, went? Exactly. How many credits? Well, we're not going to get into Hans' uh, uh, academic achievements. But uh, that is actually something that we should note for you listeners. I don't think any of us around the table has a degree. Uh, no, you do have a degree. No, no. I, don't, I don't. But I did go. Um, in well, fact, how long did you go? Before, before I say none of us have a degree, real quick, let me introduce our guest because he may or may not. Introducing, how, what do we say, like Captain Clark? <laughs> I feel like that's pretty good. This is my longtime buddy, Jason Clark. Captain now, Clark. Uh, Jason, why, the reason why I'm calling Captain Clark is because he is also. Um, the guy, just like last week, we had Ryan, who was my helicopter mentor. Jason is my airplane mentor. Jason is, believe it or not, younger than me, but he has been flying for an extremely long time. His dad was a pilot for the airlines, and uh, this kid is going places. I'm telling you that. And uh, the reason he's here is because he has already built and sold a business, and now he's already built another business, which is dwarfing his first venture. And not only do his first venture, but dwarfing a lot of people's ventures. This is a massive program and it's Bountiful Flights. That's actually a new name. It's yeah, a, we just changed the name. Flight it's, Academy. It's Flight Academy. Now. Yeah, so it's yeah. basically the biggest flight uh, school around. It's, it's massive. And Jason, how old are you? I'm uh, 20. I had to think for a second. I'm 27. In my eyes, you're always 24. <laughs> I, I, for some reason, you've always been 24 in my book. Um, Jason is 27 years old. Uh, did you get any formal training, go to school? Uh, so I got my associates in science, Winner. which is nothing. Nice. So that is, uh, yeah, nothing. It's, At a community college, I got my associates of science. It's significantly more than any of the rest of us have. <laughs> so congratulations, smartest guy in the room. Nice work. Uh, Jason, dude, I've wanted to, <laughs> I got to give you guys like some background on this. Jason is the reason why we call this the heavy checklist. Jason and I fly together a lot, uh, whether it's he's flying me somewhere to go to an event or for work or just flying for fun. He's my flight instructor. He's taught me how to fly, and he's an extremely good pilot. Like, I trust Jason more than I trust anybody else flying. That's hands down because he's bold to be able to make fun you know, uh, decisions where you can actually still enjoy the aircraft, but he's not. He, I've never seen him make one even remotely stupid decision in an airplane, and that's, that's a fine line to walk because being daring – while at the same time being safe, those don't always go hand in hand. 
And the the funny thing about this is I almost feel like we're flying together. We have our mics in front of I our know. mouths. So we've, got, we've got our headset on. And that's what we're talking about is we, we had the best conversations when we were flying because yep. you would you would get up, you'd get up to your flight level, you'd turn on the autopilot, and we would just have the best conversations. At the end of the flight, Dave's like, I've been thinking about doing this podcast. And I was like, you should really do this podcast because we talk about the best stuff yep. when we're up here. And you yeah, have hours. Our conversations have been so great up there. <laughs> when you guys got your headsets on, I'm in the back just listening to burn. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I've been so, there. Uh, yeah, that is true. Sometimes the uh, avionics in the back of the airplane don't work. But yeah, I mean, all the time. <laughs> the plane sideways. They know what's going on. You don't. You're in the back, wondering what. You're pressing against the ceiling, yeah. experiencing negative G's. Yeah, are we making, usually the scared are we one making though? it home? <laughs> Jason, uh, man, I got to tell you. This podcast idea was born in the skies with Jason and I just chatting. And uh, Jason and I are both pilots, and so we are used to this format of anytime you get in the plane and you go to do anything, you grab your checklist, right? Yeah. And your checklist. So you can actually help us understand why a checklist is important because, um, I think what's funny is when I first started flying and I, you know, uh, people would see me pull out a piece of paper and I'd start going down a list. They were like, Oh, rookie, like you, you don't know how to start it. And I was like, no, this is like even pilots that are, you know, 50 year veterans, you still pull out your checklist. Why is that? No, exactly. It's, 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 you miss stuff. It doesn't matter how experienced you are. You miss stuff every time. Even as an experienced pilot, I will sometimes think that I'll go through a flow and, and, you know, I won't, I won't do something, but hands down every time <laughs> I forget one little thing, one little switch, one little, why, you know, why didn't the, why didn't the plane start up? Oh, the start battery wasn't on. Oh, the, oh my gosh. And so back to the checklist, I find myself saying that every time back to the checklist, because you, you find that you miss something and that's, you know, if that's important in flying an airplane, why wouldn't that be the most important thing in your life right. is to follow a checklist line by line to go through your life. And yep. that's why this is, and you Such told a systematic me, podcast. Some of those things on the checklist when you're flying a plane, uh, Jason will always refer to them as written in blood. Yep. And the reason they're written in blood is because if you skip that item on the checklist, it has killed somebody in that yeah. airplane, which exactly. is it's, it's like a good example of that. Okay. Um, you don't set your flaps correctly for takeoff or landing. If you don't do that, there's a really good chance you're just going to crash into the ground. Right? Exactly, yeah. So, and that's on your checklist. It just says set your flaps to 30 degrees or second notch or whatever it is. It's very clear. It's such a simple thing. All you got to do is read, bam. It takes you a split second to do it. But if you don't do it, you're going to die. Yep, exactly. And it's written in blood. And the nice thing about listening to this is the things that we've done are basically written in blood. Um, you know, it's it's things that we've all gone through, things that we've done that 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 you don't have to live through yourself. So it's the same thing as flying. You don't, you don't have to make those mistakes. You don't have to have the accidents. You can now listen to this or follow a checklist and, and not make those same mistakes. Yep. So that's uh, to help everybody understand. Um, there's a couple things that Jason have, has taught me really well. Um, and being younger than me, I don't usually expect to learn, you know, big life lessons from guys that are younger than me. That's probably just ignorance on my part, but Jason is somebody who's always broken that mold for me. So you can thank him for the checklist concept because it's an idea that we had together flying one day. It literally hit us both like a ton of bricks. We're like, this is a great idea. It originally started as a book idea. We were going to put together basically kind of like a life operating handbook, like a manual that we could just give to people. And it would be pages and pages of things like what we teach you on the checklist, just like do this, don't do that. Very simple things, guys. Um, Jason, uh, the reason why he's a good pilot is because he does follow the checklist, and he's also um, – who still has <laughs> a ringtone oh, on? Oops. Guys, I just got a new phone. I'm going off the grid. 2019, who is not on Do Not Disturb? <laughs> guys, I just got a new phone. I don't know what I'm doing. This is spectacular. Um, 
Oh, so he's anyways, taking the call. Oh, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's actually <laughs> taking the Diesel he, Dave has departed the table, which is okay. He left it on. He'll come back with a message to share. So um, <laughs> Jason, uh, Jason has led a spectacular, uh, extraordinary life. Uh, I want to fill you in a couple of things that Jason has done that you may not know. Some fun facts, all right? Oh, great. Um, you started and sold a giant motorcycle business, um, basically a shop where you could buy and sell bikes, uh, apparel, accessories, all that kind of stuff before the age of... So I started it when I was uh, 18, mm-hmm. and uh, I sold it. Uh, it's been two years ago is, is when I got rid of it. Which so. that's actually how we met. You, uh, I was selling a dirt bike online. Right. You came by, and you were going to buy it from me. And I'm like, dude, what do you do? And he's like, well, I'm going to buy your bike, and I'm going to turn around and sell it for a profit. And I'm yeah. like, what? <laughs> is this Adrenaline Moto? Yeah, Adrenaline Moto. Adrenaline Did you moto. sell it to Marcus a, a cop, up. an officer who owns it now? Oh, uh, Jake Carter. Yeah, he you was know, actually yeah. one of the officers at my New Year's party, and he really? was actually talking to me about that. So here's another no, connection. That's crazy. Jason, it's such yeah. a small world. It's so nuts. So I didn't sell it to him, but he is actually um, reviving it from the dead, which I'm actually really excited about. Is yeah. uh, we're bringing Adrenaline Moto back in awesome. a, in a uh, new location, and uh, you know it's not going to ever be as big unless Jake Carter really pushes it hard. You'll be involved. Um, uh, I'm going to be a small partner in it, cool. uh, not an operating partner, but just checking in with him, making sure he's making the right moves, kind yeah. of a mentor to make sure that he's going to be successful, but we're bringing it back up. So you built that, started that when you were 18, sold it when you were 25. Mm -hmm. And uh, simultaneously, while you were building Adrenaline, you were building what was originally known as Bountiful Flight. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, while I was uh, getting my associate's degree, I was finishing my flight training and running the motorcycle dealership and uh, trying to keep all these things together. And uh, you know, I never thought the motorcycle shop would be a big deal. I just wanted to, uh, you know, grow it to a point where I could get uh, gear and stuff like that at right. a at a discount was main, yeah. my main goal, but we ended up selling it with you know 150 motorcycles and uh, you know uh, 10 11 employees by the time we sold it and uh, we had a huge following was our biggest thing was our online following it was had- enormous which is how I kind of caught wind of you and what your business was in fact I think I've told you this before uh, here's one of the fun facts I was going to tell you about Jason. Jason is the basically the driving force. He's what motivated me to start selling T-shirts online. You were selling shirts back yeah. on Facebook in 2012. <laughs> you might have been one of the first people that was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We can make money on this platform. Let's sell something. Yeah. And I started seeing these adrenaline shirts like flying all over Facebook. I'm like, what the hell? Who is this company? I thought it was some big moto company. Turns out it's this freaking 18-year-old kid down the road from me just <laughs> hustling. And I'm like, he's a genius. Bam, I'm going to take that business model. And obviously, we took it and ran with it. And yeah, uh, you killed it. We, it's, bu- it's, <laughs> we it's, built it into an empire. You did. We, we, uh, we tried with the motorcycle following, and it was really difficult. The motorcycle following is a very niche following with, um, sorry to say, but cheaper people that, right. are, that are really hard to get to break into. And it was very difficult to break into that T-shirt um, you know, selling model, but, but we still did. We had hundreds, we'd have, uh, four or 500, uh, 500, uh, motorcycles show up to our ride. We just post a ride on Facebook and have those videos, have hundreds of motorcycles yeah. show up. And it was just insane. It was just the largest rides in Utah. And it was, it, it was, was a never really thought cool an 18 year old kid was behind all this. I, when I found out it was you, I was just like, <clears throat> I felt like such an underachiever because I'm, you're 27. I'm what, like six, seven years older than you. So I'm seeing this young guy just killing it. I'm like, dang, this kid is on the ball. But this is some, like some even more fun facts about Jason, which are a little bit more intriguing to the average listener. Go to YouTube or go to whatever video platform you use and Google man jumps off cruise ship. No. That's Jason Clark. <laughs> Legitimately jumped off a Jason cruise ship? Jason took a GoPro. 
and jumped off the whatever seventh, eighth deck, whatever it was, off of a carnival carnival. Yeah, it was Carnival. So he's banned from Carnival Cruise Lines for life. How many people have thought yeah. about that R. in their R. lifetimes? He did it. Jason <laughs> oh. jumped off with the GoPro. You see the camera going in the water, and he just starts swimming. Everyone's like, how much were you drinking? Were you partying? It was like, no, that was at 8 a.m. We were pulling up to the port. I, I just uh, <laughs> we just jumped off, and I swam to the to the shore. And yeah. Uh, later that afternoon, got escorted by the police back onto the boat, and they yep. uh, how much gave me trouble? a letter. How much trouble did you get in for that? I, for life. So I thought trouble. it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a lot of trouble. I thought yeah. I was going to, but it was actually a really cool experience. They, uh, you know, I try to make the best out of every experience. Add that to the checklist. Yep, that's <laughs> true. I try to make the best out of every experience. So getting kicked off was actually amazing. We got, I got kicked off. Um, I got escorted. Uh, they thought I was suicidal. Um, so they actually. Uh, they, <laughs> this video went a, viral, everybody. Yeah. Go look at it. You'll see it. It's, it's millions I of wish, views. I wish we had more footage, but my other friends that filmed it, they actually, yeah. in order for them to stay on the ship, they made them delete it off all their phones so it wouldn't be, so they wouldn't get in trouble. But we actually documented it a lot better, but they deleted it to stay on the boat. Um, but we, uh, so I got kicked off by a guard. Uh, I went to a hotel room, got a really nice hotel room, but they said they were going to bill me for it all later. And I Didn't was like, they have, oh, like guards outside your door. Cause they yeah, were suicidal. So, so they left a guard outside the door all night long. He sat there. He said, let me know if you need anything. I'll go get it. You stay in your room. <laughs> Uh, oh so I would just, you know, I sent him to go get water room and service. then, uh, I got, I ordered dinner. I put it Double all on the room just in case I didn't get billed on it. I put it all on the room, making sure that I, you know, I wasn't going to get billed and it was on a small Island. So they actually had a charter, a flight off. So, um, I, uh, when the plane showed up, I showed the guy my pilot's license. He was like, Oh cool. Come sit up front. So I actually got to, <laughs> I actually got to help pilot the plane off of the Island in the Caribbean to a bigger Island to get on a bigger plane to go to Florida and then Dude. come home. So it was actually a really cool experience. This I had a great time life. the whole time. You guys remember awesome. that show? I can't remember the name of it. It was a movie like fish stories or fish, big fish or something. It's about a bunch of old men that when they're old, they start telling stories about when they were a kid. I and do remember that. It sound like all their kids and grandkids think they're just lies. But then the, the movie goes back and validates all the stories and shows that the, all these crazy stories were actually real. This is Jason to a T. So that's number one viral video, jumping off a cruise ship 60, 70 feet up. Coolest video. You, you can find it. It's out there. Number two, there's another video that I think even went more viral of a guy out on a lake in a boat. And he sets up a camera <laughs> perfectly. Um, and he is... Uh, trying to go wake surfing uh-huh. and so he sets uh, the camera angle shows that he sets up the boat puts it on cruise control um, and he is alone in the boat goes to the back of the boat and starts surfing nobody's driving the boat the boat is driving itself and we've all thought about doing it because boats are just on you know cruise control whatever and if you think you're a good surfer you can get back on the boat off the boat without stopping it so the video shows as Jason walks to the back of the boat, gets off, starts surfing, having a great time. And then I think you were drinking a root beer. Yeah. <laughs> drinking a root Got beer. A, I made it family friendly. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> next thing you know, he crashes and the boat takes off and the GoPro is on the boat. So it's oh. showing as it, Jason's screaming, sinking into the water and the boat drives off and Jason's just in the water. <laughs> and that's how the video ends. And it is the coolest, craziest, funniest video I've ever seen. I remember when I saw him put that up, I was like, this bastard's done it again. <laughs> I'm like, man, Jason, why, why haven't we well, hung out to this point yet? <laughs> well, the best thing about the video for uh, the cruise is uh, I actually sold it and uh, made money on over and above the cost of the cruise. So awesome. I ended up getting a free cruise out of posting the video and selling it to some news channels That's and some other things. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> How high up were you? I had to ask. So is it the uh, where the lifeboats are? So 60, 70 feet probably. It's, uh, you know, it's jumping at Lake jump. Powell and stuff, yeah. the, judging it from that. Maybe it wasn't too bad. Did it, you dive? 
No, it was a little you further. Gainered. No, I wish. I know. I wish I would have <laughs> gone back. But it was a little deceiving because the boat curves under right. as you're going yeah, under. Yeah, yeah. So the water looked really close, but it was actually more of a two breath fall. So you fell, and I was like, "Huh, I'm still oh. falling." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, there was a uh, two solid breaths, and it was a little further than I thought, but it still wasn't bad. It wasn't a was too the big boat moving. Uh, they they were uh, just pulled up to dock. So uh, I don't know if they were still docking at the time, but um, they were up against the nose was nosed into the dock. Okay. So I was That's a little awesome. afraid I was going to get sucked in like on a Titanic, how they get sucked in underneath. Right. That was like, that was my first as soon as I hit yeah. the water, yeah, that, that flashed my in my head ride. and I was like swimming up as fast as I could. So we'll, we'll try to provide you guys with links to those videos, but I mean, they're, up, they're really easy to find. If you just uh, Google or YouTube, man jumps off cruise ship and man loses boat uh, wake surfing. That's Jason Clark. That's the guy that's sitting in front of us right now. And Jason is, like I said, a great friend of mine. And even more than that, he's a mentor to me on a lot of different things. And what's kind of funny is you don't find relationships like this all the time. I'm also a mentor to him in a lot of different ways. Would oh, you agree? Def- absolutely. When we go flying, I, we, I, I walk away, at least speak more up for myself. I, I walk away every single time with, with something new, a new thing to implement. Uh, um, One of the biggest things I think I've taught you is it's okay to let your hair down a little bit and definitely stop work, like relax. Definitely. Cause I, I work every day all the time and it wears on you after a while. I doing it for so many years and, and you definitely, I, I can see that in you and it, it makes you happy. And I, I can see that's a really important thing. You I kind of forced you to do some, some, like I actually, I, I didn't force you. I got kind of creative. Um, I basically invited you to fly us somewhere as a pilot and you know, that was work for you. But then when we landed, I said, come do this, that, the other thing with us. And we ended up like freaking rafting down some beautiful river up in Washington. <laughs> we ended up riding motorcycles through Sturgis. That was my way of getting you to like, understand that it's okay to just relax, enjoy yourself. Yeah. And you know, more importantly, you have to rest when you work at a high level. Like you do, if you don't rest, you'll burn out. No, absolutely. You, you, uh, you gave me a, a podcast. It was by Ed Milet, the um, uh, Blissful Dissatisfaction, My and uh, you had me listen to that. And it was it was such a good podcast. And it's it's about rewarding yourself. It's about getting those things that you to reward yourself to be successful. Successful people reward themselves. They they uh, do those things in order to motivate them further into the future. You and don't wait until you get to the final you know goal or big destination that you have and then enjoy it. You enjoy it along the way. So, in fact, we're going to make that checklist item number one. Go listen to that podcast. Would you agree? Absolutely. So, listen uh, to that podcast. We'll recap that at the end, but it's Ed Milet, Blissful Dissatisfaction. That is checklist item number one today. So important. But, uh, so, the reason why I mentioned the mentor thing is because on our last episode, um, you know Ryan, Helicopter Ryan. Absolutely. We had him in here and um, had a great conversation with him. And the only checklist item he left us with, which was so big and so, like, it encompasses so many different things was find a mentor, find somebody, find multiple mentors that can teach you, show you things along the way because you can't do it on your own. So I really, really started thinking about the mentor concept a lot. Um, and it just so happened that obviously you're our guest this week and we have a great mentorship relationship, but I want to share a story about, um, mentorship and life and how it applies. Uh, so back in 1902, there was a guy named Jack London, now, have you guys ever heard uh, or read the story? It's, a lot of high school students have to do this as part of the curriculum to build a fire. Anybody? No. no. So it's nope. pretty common um, curriculum for a lot of schools to teach mm-hmm. this. So To Build a Fire was written in 1902, and then it was rewritten in 1908 by Jack London. And it's this short story. Um, it's it's uh, fictional story. It's not true. 
but it's basically about a man who goes up into the Yukon Territory. And he's not originally from the Yukon Territory, but he goes up there in the middle of winter. And um, he's a big, burly guy, you know, thinking he's just, he's like, he's the man. And uh, he goes into a town called Sulphur Springs. And he tells everybody in that town, he's like, hey, I got to go meet the boys, is what he refers to them in the story. And what he's referring to is... Um, the boys that he's referring to are some friends that he's going to meet at a mining claim because they're going to do some gold mining. And uh, so he, it's like nine o'clock in the morning. Starts walking through the town, kind of bragging about how he's going to make it. And he's got this big like wolf dog, like a husky, like, you know, like these dogs are built for snow. And uh, this old man just says, don't go alone. Don't do it. You, you, you like, I know you're tough. I know you can handle it, but just don't go alone and don't go in this weather. And the guy didn't listen to him. And uh, one thing that they mention in the story is uh, this guy goes to spit. And as he spits, his saliva turns into an ice ball before it even hits the ground. And apparently that's an indicator that it's below 50 degrees Celsius outside. Negative 50 is like negative 58 Fahrenheit for those of us who don't understand that. So it's like negative 50, negative 60 degrees outside. And uh, he says, nah, I got this. So he starts walking, starts along his trip. And he's got, uh, I believe he has uh, like a half a biscuit and some bacon. That's his food for the day. And he's supposed to meet up with the boys at six o'clock later on that afternoon in another uh, mining claim. So him and the dog are walking, 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 minding their own business. And uh, he's feeling pretty macho, pretty tough. And uh, part of the trail that takes him to the boys is along this creek bed and starts walking along the creek bed, kind of being careful, you know, um, you know, trying to make sure that uh, he doesn't step in the cold water because he knows that if he does, he's screwed. Um, but one thing that he's noticing all along the way is his dog that's with him is kind of leery, a little bit reluctant. He's, the dog's being loyal to him because he's a dog and that's what dogs are, but the dog is also very reluctant to go much further at certain times and he's reluctant to go near the water and he's reluctant to do all these things and the guy's not really paying attention to that. He just keeps on driving along, keeps on trying to um, make the dog just move forward and, and, and get onto where they need to be. So uh, it's supposed to be a nine-hour trip, nine hours of hiking and uh, as he's walking along, you know, um, the creek, he dips his foot in and it breaks through. And then his other foot breaks through and he sinks all the way up to basically his kneecaps in this frozen water and uh, starts panicking, freaking out. Like, you know, guy, he's got to get this problem solved. And so he gets out and he's got uh, a couple of matches and he gets to the nearest tree and he starts breaking off all these twigs and stuff, just breaking all these branches off. And rather than going somewhere and making like a fire pit, he just right where he's at, he's panicked. He's got to get this, you know, his feet thought out. And he makes his fire, and it's right below the tree, and uh, he starts thawing his feet out. Starts to feel a little bit better. He might actually not get frostbite, might make it through this. But in his haste to make a fire, he forgot that he had really shook the shit out of the tree trying to get all those little branches and saplings off. And the heat of the fire is now starting to heat up this big, uh, basically one of the branches that has a huge like slough of snow on top of it. So he's sitting there, enjoying it, and then bam, this huge pile of snow falls on top of his fire, puts it out. So he freaks out, starts to panic. Um, and as this is happening, uh, the dog is, is kind of like trying to motion like, you know, go back the way we came. Um, but he's not paying any attention to it. So he starts to panic and freak out, and he's only got a handful of matches. And so he goes to make his next fire. And he, he pulls out a match and just instantly wastes it. So in such a panic, 
he takes all of his matches, bundles them up, and strikes them all because he thinks, oh, you know, all I need is just a big fire, and then I'll put some more branches on it. And uh, it doesn't work. So he's out of matches. He's out of fire. So then he starts to kind of panic and walk around and hope that the, you know, the circulation is going to help thaw out his feet, and it's not working. So the frostbite and the cold is continuing to get worse and worse and worse, and his dog's still by his side until he finally gets to the point where he kind of just sits down a little bit hopeless. And uh, the dog is, you know, maybe 10, 15, 20 feet away. And the thought goes into the guy's head, I'm going to kill my dog and I'm going to cut him open and I'm going to use his body heat to warm me up. That's his plan. So he starts calling for the dog. And it's a very loyal dog, keep in mind. Starts calling for the dog. The dog won't, dog won't come to him. The dog knows that something's wrong, just like all dogs do. You know, dogs can tell, they can sense when something's wrong. And he's screaming at the dog, come here, come here, come here. Dog won't come. And, uh, so he's, he's, you know, starting to get more and more panicked. And, uh, what basically ends up happening is the guy, um, just falls asleep and he dies. He dies right there on the trail and the dog stayed by his side the whole time. Um, once the dog, uh, once he did finally die, the dog knew that he was dead, um, howled a couple of times. And then the dog ran off to where they had came from to be able to get warmth and, and food. And so it's, uh, it's an interesting story. And there's the, the purpose of the story and the reason why they have people write, um, you know, essays and all these different reports on it is because uh, they want you to try to determine, they want you to try to dissect the story and figure out how it really applies to life. Okay. Um, and when I first read it, I was like, man, that's a depressing story. The guy died. I was hoping for a happy ending, which is why Jack London, when he rewrote the story in 1908, um, it was rewritten so that the man didn't die. Nice. He actually just got frostbite. <laughs> nice. But the real story was, and, and, and you know, the, from what I've heard, when he wrote it again, it wasn't nearly as good because you could tell he was like, he was trying to cover up his tracks. Um, but the real raw story that has the biggest impact was when the man actually died. And uh, what I started to do was kind of break down the characters in this story and figure out how it applies to real life. The man, who would you guys say the man is? That could be any of us, right? Exactly. Yeah, That's just anybody. us. That's just us in our, you know, sometimes we get prideful. Sometimes we are, um, one thing that the old man at the beginning of the story uh, told this man was you're foolish because you're unable to imagine what could happen. So basically he was refusing to think about what the consequences of his actions would be. And so they, they, he called that a lack of imagination, which all of us have sometimes, but at the same time, we're all ambitious. We want to get to the boys. We want to get to that mining claim. We want to get the gold. Yeah. And uh, we rely on our own strengths a lot of the time because you have to. As an entrepreneur and as a business owner, sometimes it's just you against the world, right? I mean, it really is. True. So that's us. That's, uh, you know, in the story, we are the man. The dog. What would you say the dog represents? Brand conscience. Your mentor. Your conscience. Who's had conscience? I did. One step further than that, instinct. Yeah. Yeah. Conscience, instinct, it's basically your natural, because we do have natural instincts, okay? Everybody has the gut feeling. That's an instinct. It's, you know, whether something's right or something's wrong. And, uh, you know, gut, gut feelings can be for dumb, simple little decisions, or they can be for life or death decisions. And so in the story, the dog, aka your instinct is telling you the whole time, don't be dumb. Go back and figure, think about this, figure it out. The wilderness is stronger than you. You are not going to beat Mother Nature. It's just not an option. 
Okay? Then we get to the old man at the beginning of the story, which is the reason why I'm telling the story. What does the old man represent? Someone who's been there, done that. AKA a mentor. Yes. So I found it so, uh, you know, cool that I stumbled across this story um, because I'm, I'm big into like, uh, just, I don't know. I find myself reading old stories about history and, um, you know, I love, I'm fascinated by like the Klondike and the Wild West and, and old stories like that. And I happened to come across this one and the meaning was so impactful to me that even though it's a fictional story, it applies so freaking perfectly to what we've been talking about. Um, and then obviously the final thing, you know, the other character in the story would be the boys or the gold, which is where we're all trying to go. We're all trying to have success, right? But um, I think so many times in life we get to the point where we think that we can do it on our own. And whether it's uh, pride or stupidity, we go for it. And um, in some worst case scenarios, we end up like the guy in the story where we don't make it. And whether it's dying physically in real life or dying mentally and not you know, having to either bankrupt your business or um, get burnt out and not be able to achieve your dreams, this is such a perfect like analogy of a small business owner or somebody who's out there trying to make it. So last week, you know, you asked me, hey, do you have a mentor? And I sat there and thought about it, and I said no. And at that point, I don't really feel like I did. Well, this week, I actually had a big event where we were doing stuff that was kind of a little out of my comfort zone. And so I brought in another company and a guy I know to help me with the event. And the insight that I got from him helping me through the event, I was just like, holy crap, man. Yeah. If I sat down with this guy just a little bit more, the 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 uh, value that it would bring to my business would be crazy. So in 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 uh, short, after last week's episode, I really thought about the whole mentorship thing, and I think I have a couple dudes locked down that are really going to help me with my business. That's awesome, dude. I mean, that's that's the beauty of you, Marcus, is you actually take what we're talking about. And I'm sitting here taking notes. Man. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I mean dude, some for the show, but I mean a lot of this for personal use. It is <laughs> you know uh, I mean? it's it's impressive to see somebody. Um, even all of us, when we implement the checklist items, which are so simple, like I said, just small, dumb little things like Jason and I were talking about, turn your freaking strobe light on. That's one of the things on an airplane checklist, but it's- Does Jason it's, like to party? Is that why he's got the strobe light going? <laughs> Jason does love to party, especially Jason and I have been in some interesting situations in the air, flying over the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, that was crazy. In the middle of night through, and there's basically a hurricane no, 10 miles off our left wing. Huge storms all over the place, getting beat up through some clouds. It was some pretty crazy stuff. So for those of you who follow me on social media, you may have seen a month or so ago, um, one of our mechanic's daughters got kidnapped and held uh, hostage and actually ended up getting shot down in Mexico. Jason is my pilot who was with me right then and there. And in 30 minutes notice, we were in the air flying to Mexico. So um, that's Jason. Jason is just down for a good time. He's, and that's why <laughs> you're you know, like, we got to go to Mexico. And I was like, yeah, let's go to Mexico. I don't think that you even went awesome. clothes. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I literally think you, you're like, okay, let's go. Let's get in the plane. Yeah, I, I did. Yeah, you were just light. like, yep. you're like, let's go to Mexico. I was like, absolutely. You're like right now. And I was like, all right, let's yeah. go. You're like, you, you don't understand. No like, questions right asked. Right this minute. Which is why, like, to me, you are a mentor in that way because um, you've taught me things that have saved my life probably in whether it be aviation. Um, you've taught me things in business that you didn't even know you were teaching me. Um, and so when you find these people around you, make it very obvious to you and them that 
you can have a mutually beneficial relationship. A mentor doesn't have to be the old man back at Sulphur Springs, you know, the crusty old prospector who says, you're not going to make it. It can be. Why'd you smile when I said prospector? I feel like you're, there's, Diesel Dave just got this little old prospector smile when I said that. It was that. more of the motion you were doing, like, I'm a prospector. <laughs> yeah, I did do that. But uh, it doesn't have to be some old, experienced guy. There, it can be everyone around you. There's a big thing with with uh, mentors, though, that you also have to be careful with is not everybody knows everything, and you need to be really careful with this. For instance, in the story, this is how my mind works, the old man warned him about going on the trip, water, and all that stuff. It was 50 below. If a lake breaks at 50 below, that is ridiculous. Yeah. I probably would have gone on the trip, too, because True. it is cold enough that you're not going to break through the water, and you'll probably get there. If there wasn't a storm, I would have got there, and I would have I would have said, sorry, old man, you don't know what you're talking about anymore, and I would have gone forward. So one thing you have to be very careful with is you take what somebody says, and you analyze it, and you take the good parts, you leave the bad parts, and you and you run with the good parts. Because every single person, even an experienced mentor, has their downfalls. I I work with you know a lot of different people. I have a lot of different partners, and and you have to analyze the situation that they tell you. That you're going to go into, you analyze a specific situation. You go to each person for. Um, advice on what's going on. You take the best of all that and you create your own solution out of that. That's, it, that's it, a really I, I love that. Thing. That's actually an amazing point because every single one of us sitting around the table <laughs> is the guy that would have heard the old man out and then continued on our way. Yeah. I think what the story um, you know, fails to mention is the fact that he was basically trying to prepare the guy um, and, and help him you know, have the relevant information like you're saying. Uh, and you're, you're very right. Not everybody knows everything. And so just... Take as much good as you can from people that you're around and these mentors and these different people, and then uh, use it at your own discretion. You know what I mean? Like, um, there may be people that in your life tell you, don't go start a business. It's not a smart idea. Well, you know what? I want to start my own business and I'm going to do it. And I understand that there's a chance that I'm going to fail. And that goes back to the, the podcast that we had with Rich Eggett, where he says, at some point, you just got to be dumb enough to do it. You can't overthink things. If you're too smart, if you're if you're smarter than you know everyone else, you're going to think yourself into never doing anything. That's the same thing with flying. I always tell people is the second you feel comfortable flying is the moment you are truly dangerous. Yep. And it's the same exact thing with business. The moment you think you're like, I'm set, I'm good, I know what I'm doing and I know where I'm at, that is the moment where you should truly be the most nervous. Yep. That's a great point. You've told me that a couple of times. I've learned some, this is why I love sharing uh, stories from friends and you know people in aviation because flying, it's not just flying. There's a lot that goes into flying that applies to your actual life. Yeah. Like the decision-making skills. I mean, there's a reason why there's an actual like curriculum in getting your pilot's license that's called aeronautical decision-making. Yeah, the ADM process. That's something that's an actual class that you go through. You get quizzed on it. And that is so much like life in so many different ways because you have to learn how to make a critical decision in a short amount of time, right? Yeah, exactly. Aeronautical decision-making is the systematic process to come to a, the best solution with a given set of circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of associate's degree. It's the way of coming to it. It's, it's the process of coming to the best decision with whatever circumstances that you currently have. And that kind of brings it back to the whole mentor idea is, yep. is you have to come to the best decision with, with what you have to work with. And you work with your mentor to come to the best decision that you, that you possibly can. Simply because in, in life, as in flying, very rarely are there times where it's, it's easy enough to just say, this is the right or the wrong decision. Absolutely. Sometimes you just have to figure out what the best 
decision is for that situation. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't go flying when the visibility is, you know, whatever it is, or maybe you should. That's a decision that you have to make because it's never just black or white. Yep. There's always a gray area in pretty much every component of your life that you have to learn how to make these decisions around, which is why mentors are so important because you can talk to people that have made these decisions. They've been in these different experiences. So that's, that's huge to me. That's obviously kind of like the first part of this podcast I wanted to talk about. I just wanted to hammer home again. If you didn't do your homework from last week, which is go find a mentor, go do it. And it doesn't have to be probably what your, um, you know, traditional idea of what a mentor is, a guy who's 20 years older than you that's super successful. It can be a kid who's six or seven years younger than you, like Jason was to me. Just look at people who are doing big things, moving and shaking, go figure out how they're doing it, why they're doing it. Exactly. You don't, you don't learn when you're talking. So listen to every people at their different phases of their Mm -hmm. lives in order to learn the stuff that you need to learn. Cause if you're the one that's always talking, you're never going to be the one that's learning. That's true. That's a really good point. Um, so Jason, you have, you built and sold adrenaline moto and then you started building this massive flight school that you have now, which is, um, you changed the name recently from Bountiful flight to flight Academy. And I just want to give you a shout out on that. If anybody wants to learn how to fly, there is literally not a better place in the world than flight Academy. Currently you guys, basically you're just, uh, here in Utah, right? Uh, yeah, we're here at Ogden, uh, Provo and, uh, Bountiful, but, uh, we're working right now on expanding to, uh, California and hopefully other places, uh, across the state with other funding that we're getting and other loan systems that we're getting. So, and the smart thing that you did was, well, a couple different things. A, you created it so that, uh, there's basically a financing program for your students. Yeah. So I actually want to reference a book and I'm I having a hard time thinking of what it is right now. You you told me to, uh, to read this book. It's about all ideas have already been created and you have oh, to refine. Oh yeah, The Purple Cow. The Purple Cow book. Exactly. Yeah. So this book, uh, it, it's amazing. It's, a, it's exactly what you need to do to search for a good business idea. Basically, it's about all ideas have been created. There's billions of people on this earth. Everybody's thought of every idea. They've done every idea. And basically what you need to do is find an idea and do it better. Yep. And so that's the exact same thing that I did here is I found, okay, there's flight schools, but nobody can get funding for flight schools. So it's extremely difficult for a student that is at the phase of life that needs to do flight training to get the funding to do it. Right. So I actually created a financial institution that loans the money to the student to um, make the process smooth. That way they're more focused on their training, they're not focused on their bill, and they don't have any payments during their training until they're done. And that's the crazy thing about, uh, you literally broke the mold on that because up until you started doing what you're doing, the only other option was to either have a bunch of cash or go get some giant, weird, structured student loan or GI bill or whatever it was. It's the student loans with the high interest mm-hmm. and, and you know, it just doesn't make sense. Right. When you get, when you get done, you have $1,100 payment. That's a house payment. Why would anyone do flight training? So our payment is $600 when you're done with all your training. And that's, that's reasonable making $30 an hour as a flight instructor. And it's extremely reasonable making a hundred K a year as a airline pilot. Right. And that's the thing about the second thing I was going to tell you that you did smart with your business was obviously the first part you you're giving financing, you're giving everybody an opportunity to do it, whether they have good credit, bad credit, doesn't matter. But the second part of that is you're providing really good training. I don't see any of your old Cessnas, old yeah. beaters <laughs> sitting on the ramp anymore. You have brand new planes. Yep. So uh, thanks to our partnership with SkyWest Airlines, that's one of our biggest things. SkyWest has been an amazing partner and is a really amazing uh, airline to work for. And they uh, actually partnered with us. We landed a really good partnership with them that allows our students to actually be employees with them day one. 
we had um, you know about 20 airplanes on our fleet, and we were able to grow that to 40 uh, thanks to SkyWest's help and helping us uh, lease aircraft and everything. And and that's been huge with helping us. And we've been able to get a fleet of brand new airplanes, parachute equipped, and and all these things uh, parachute equipped by the whole airplane has a parachute. Yeah. So that basically, what that means is if shit hits the fan while you're flying, you pull this little lever, and then all of a sudden your plane has a parachute, and you yeah. just you just nicely float to the ground. Float to the ground. I'd kind of like which to is, see that. Which is the best. There's you some can videos. Google it, yeah. 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 On good. YouTube, there's some uh, videos of the, the Cirruses mostly uh, that pull the chutes and, and just float to the ground. It's uh, it's pretty cool to see it. And it's it's ideal for a training academy. Yeah. So, but yeah, that was that was a big part of it. Really efficient airplanes to allow the students to get through inexpensively because a lot of flight schools fly four four passenger airplanes, which are hauling around two more seats for no reason. Right. So, might as well haul around two seats and pass the discount on to the students. Yeah, and to they're make running these old, and, uh, you know, analog six pack steam gauges. Yeah. Uh, and it's you know you're 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 learning off of technology that's 50, 60 years old in most yeah. flight schools. Jason's flight school, you're literally using pretty much the same touchscreen panels that the airlines are using. Is, yeah, this, they're, is they're, this training for like, you know, like Southwest, like pilots or what kind of, when you say training, you know, what, what is it for? Everything from private so, pilot? So, it, yeah, it's kind of hard to, because uh, when you hear a commercial pilot, you're like, oh, you're flying for the airlines. And that's not necessarily the case. When you're a commercial pilot, it means you can be paid to fly. So we train people from private, instrument, commercial, CFI, I, MEI. So it's all the these different range. ratings. Yeah. So we basically take them from the street to SkyWest, and then we hand them to SkyWest. They do their training, and then and then they're flying jets. So they go literally straight from flying our two-seater airplanes to uh, flying the jets for SkyWest after rigorous training with SkyWest, of course. Sure. But yeah. they don't fly any different airplanes between those two points. Cool. It's amazing. He's create. He basically reinvented the wheel that had already been invented a long time ago, and flight schools, I mean, they've been around forever. Um, but Jason, wouldn't you agree that sometimes the answer is just literally right in front of your face? I agree, yeah, and it's it's right in front of your face, and you just have to work to, to, to get to that point, you know? A lot of people think that I got handed a school or, or oh. whatever. It wasn't just like, I want to start a flight school and then like flight academy it's here it's, nope. it, it wasn't it wasn't that I started with one airplane I started it from nothing I, I remember I, I watched this whole thing unfold I mean your your office is two doors down from us on the airport yeah. and I've watched as you started with your first piece of shit little planes and you'd get a deal down in freaking Florida and then you'd go fly all the way home in this little plane you gotta realize <laughs> little planes some of them only do like 100 miles an hour yeah, that makes for a flights. long freaking flight home from Florida. Mm-hmm. It's not like these jetliners where you can get home or anywhere in the country in three or four hours. So um, you've paid your dues big time. It was tough, and that's that's what a lot of people struggle with. Is they you know they they struggle with uh, where do I start? How do I how do I get going on the business? And you know I've. I've literally started this from from nothing, and it's the answer is right in front of you. You just get up and work every day, trying to make sure that you get the next thing done on your checklist that you need to get done that day in order to grow up from nothing to 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 what it is. So, one of the questions I had for you was, "What's it like to run multiple businesses at the same time?" Oh, it's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. Uh, probably why you ended up selling adrenaline. That that was one of the main reasons. Um, it's the law of diminishing returns. I mean, if you want to read about that, it's actually a scientific process that if you do more than one thing at once, you're less likely to fail. And I don't have the percentages memorized, but they're crazy. You know, you're 
80% likely to succeed, and these are not exact, but 80% likely to succeed when when you do one business, and then you're 40% with two, and then you're 20% with yeah. three. And so when you divide yourself between all the different businesses, um, you are less likely to succeed, to be more successful. So odds are you're more successful to focus on one thing until it's a point that you can truly give the attention that the second thing needs to get done. Yeah, that's a, that's a big thing, people. You got to understand, Marcus, in your business, um, you really only have one line of work, right? I mean, you have right. di- different gigs that you do, but different avenues in that. You're not one line. selling used trucks, and one weekend and then the next weekend right. you're doing parties, right? For sure. That's allowed you to stay kind of laser focused on how you want to build and scale and grow that business, which is why you're no longer a club DJ downtown Salt Lake, and you're instead you're putting on massive event production, yeah. right? Yeah. No, I think that uh, instead of you know, taking, you know, four different ideas and running them at once. I've, I've only got a handful of like skills and things I'm good at and which I know I'm good at. And so I've kind of taken those and focused in on those and maximize those. And, you know, now my six weeks of college education is really paying off to a successful functional business where, uh, if I was to try to do a few other things, I don't know that I have the the capacity to make it work. You know what I mean? I think that's probably where fortunately you're just too dumb to take on anymore, like Rich said. And it's a blessing to you because um, there are a lot of people, including myself. I went through a phase in my life where I did what my dad referred to as the shotgun approach. I was just literally going and starting a new business every week because I thought that that was I, I could handle it. Right. I, I could handle it to an extent. I got to the point where a lot of the businesses that I started over the years, I shut down because it just didn't make any sense to be doing that many things at once. Um, so it's important to understand that it is very, very difficult to serve two masters. With that being said, how many businesses are you running right now? Quite a few. Um, See, but this is this is a different thing, though. You've brought your businesses to a point where you can do other things, right. and you can you can uh, you can you can split your focus into several different businesses because you've reached that point. I'm no longer captaining all the boats. And I'm, right. I'm, I'm talking more of when you start a business, when you start a business, it takes everything you got a newborn to baby. get it. Exactly. It takes everything you have to get it to the point that you uh, can actually step away. Yep. And the reason why it takes everything, because if you don't put everything into it, there's somebody sitting right next to you that is going to put everything that they have into a business that's going to do it better than you. But how tempting is it sometimes to just get distracted and say, I, you've told me about some of these ideas you've had. You've had some wild ideas about, um, what was that? You created an online business. <laughs> uh, you were reselling something. The deals, the deal yes, site. Yeah. 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 You, yeah. you basically kind of started a Groupon before yeah. Groupon was out and uh, you made a bunch of money and then you lost a bunch of money real quick. We did. And then we shut it down shortly after. Yeah. Sold a whole bunch of gift cards that was against the terms of use policy of the people's <laughs> gift cards. So the people who own the gift card shut them down. And yeah, yeah it's just crazy. They're, they're, I, I've done, don't get me wrong, I've done a lot of things, but a lot of things have definitely failed But right. uh, that, that I've worked on. Um, but it's, you know, when I, when I found out that the Flight Academy had a potential to make a lot of money, and I was able to step away from the motorcycle dealership and put everything into my flight school. I was able to grow it from from six planes to now forty airplanes, and from from twelve employees to now nearly eighty employees. And right. you know, growing it all the way up to to where it is now, it's it's taken everything I got to outdo every other flight school in in what they're doing. It's my constant focus to There's make no make way you what could it have is. done that had you. If you still have the motorcycle shop up and running at the at the same capacity that it was, I would have no a I would have a small to medium sized motorcycle shop yep. and a small to medium sized uh, flight school. And I wouldn't would, have something and guess great. What? The worst part is you wouldn't enjoy either of them. 
That's very true. And that, that was the point I was at. I wasn't enjoying it. I, I wasn't enjoying either of them. Running back and forth and dealing with that is just not an enjoyable thing. So for a young guy like you who's listening, who's thinking about maybe starting a business, or maybe he already has one and he wants to add another one or this or that, what advice would you give somebody who's thinking about maybe taking on more? It, it's hard to give exact advice on what opportunities pop up in other people's lives, but if a better opportunity truly pops up, it may be something that you should put all of your focus into. Um, but whatever you do, do it great. You don't want to be mediocre in everything that you do. I mean, it's good to do a lot of things. That's what I get caught up in doing. I do a lot Dude, of different things. I love things, that you said that. But I'm not great at everything that I do. Yep. I, got, I got to that point where... Um, we do a lot of motorsports, and yeah. I was, uh, last couple of years, Dave and I have been trying to do every motorsports race we could possibly do. We were racing trophy trucks, we were racing razors, we were racing monster trucks, we were doing all these things, and what I kind of found out was, man, I do everything, but I don't do anything amazing. I never won a race. I never even got close to winning a race, and uh, winning kind of became important to me. I kind of got to the point where I was like, man, I really want to be competitive. I want to do something really good. Um, which is why this year I have pretty much put all the other motorsports racing stuff on hold. And I've decided to instead, um, focus on just monster trucks. And I want to become one of the best monster truck drivers out there. And it's literally, I'm seeing immediate results. Last weekend, I won my first show overall event. I beat veterans who've been driving trucks That's for really cool. 15, 20 years. And I, out of 14 trucks, out of all professional drivers who drive full-time all the time, every weekend, I beat them all. Pretty and freaking awesome. Dude, That's I am amazing. so stoked Champion. on it. But dude, it's not because I'm just some, you know, prodigy driver, which I always thought I was. And I feel like I'm, I'm a talented driver, but I always thought like I can show up and drive anything, anytime and win. Well, over the last couple of years, Diesel Dave uh, watched as we went to races and we got our asses kicked. <laughs> like kicked hard. Mint 400. Mint 400. We started and made it 100 yards and broke. Um we got to the point where uh, we were just trying to do too much at once, and we didn't really become good at anything. you agree, Dave? I agree, 100%. Um, but now we've been given an opportunity. Um, it's an opportunity that we kind of created for ourselves, but now Diesel Dave and I get to go out and get real damn good at driving Monster Jam trucks. And Dave, is, uh, he's got two events under his belt, and he actually beat me at the previous event that we drove in uh, Minnesota back in December. Um, so we're focusing on it and it's really all I care to do right now. Do you feel the same way? Oh yeah. I would do that every day, all day <laughs> if I could. And, uh, that's, awesome. th that's kind of a, it's kind of an extreme example, but it just proves that become, and this is the, oh, it's funny because the event promoters, the people at Feld Entertainment said this, um, they didn't tell me until after I had already crashed the truck at a couple of shows because in Houston, I was dead set on doing a backflip and I didn't even enjoy the show. I wasn't having any fun. All I wanted to do, you guys were there. A lot of you guys yeah. saw it. All I could think about, all I wanted to do was go do a backflip. So the rest of my performance was weak. It was horrible. I, I, dude, I did terrible in racing. Uh, I didn't do great in two-wheel skills, and I just focused on going out and doing a backflip, and I went out and did the biggest, stupidest half backflip you've ever seen, and the show just sucked, man. I just, I didn't have the fun that I thought I was going to have because I was too focused on trying to become great before I was good. And this is what Feld Entertainment, I found out after the fact, they had all been saying, we want Dave to become good before he's great. And when I first heard that, I was like, shut up. But then I started thinking about it, and I really applied it to this last show that I drove in. And I just said, I'm just going to be good. I'm going to go have fun. Whether I'm great or not doesn't matter. And I didn't win any single event in this last uh, you know, show over the weekend. 
But my average score of doing well in all the events, because I was being good and everything, that's what allowed me to win the show. So, awesome. man, it was freaking, it was such a direct and immediate like answer to what I was trying to figure out. So it's never, it's not always that direct and clear, but you know, in certain circumstances like that, for me, it was. Um, but Jason, it's important that people understand uh, what concept or what the risk is of running a business that is also your hobby. How does, we've had big conversations about yeah, burnout. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, that, that's huge because my biggest passions were motorcycles and airplanes. And that was my, that was my getaway. And I turned my getaway into my work. Same here, and trucks. Exactly. And that's, that's really rough sometimes. That, that takes away what you enjoyed. Uh, when I sold the motorcycle shop, I hardly rode um, for, I was just telling that to Marcus that, you know, I haven't rode for the last couple of years. And I forgot to mention, that's part of the reason. I was selling motorcycles, right. talking about them day in, day out, tra- training people on how to sell motorcycles. And it took away something I loved. And it burnt me out yep. really bad. And yep. that, was, that was really rough. Uh, and I, you know, I, airplanes haven't been, I, I like airplanes. I really do enjoy them. I love teaching. I love flying. But it wasn't like my passion. Right. I, I, I can't tell you the names of all the airplanes when they fly over. I can't do right. that. I don't know them. Mm-hmm. And so it was a little bit easier to, to treat this like a more of a means to an end rather than, you know, a hobby business. Right. But you really have to be careful with the hobby business because there's two things that you have. You either, um, you either own a business or you own a job. And those are the two biggest things that you, you don't want to own a job mm-hmm. and you want to own a business. And the problem is, is when you go into a hobby business, you own a job. Most yep. of the time you own a job. And what I mean by that is you're working really hard. You're putting on all this risk and you take home what you would have made or maybe slightly higher as an employee. Right. You're not really running a business. But on the flip side of that, you're also starting to resent what you love. Exactly. Definitely. And it's, it's terrifying because it happens, uh, it happens really quietly in the background. You don't, you don't see it happening. You don't see that burnout coming. You don't see that resentment building up until one day you wake up and you're like, holy shit, I don't ever want to see another motorcycle again. Yeah. And it's, it's terrifying because at that point, that's your business. Your yeah. livelihood depends on it. So now you have to force yourself to do something that you used to love. Yeah. How crazy is that? Yeah, and you and and you've got goosebumps talking about that, man. For some reason, that like that was an epiphany to me. Well, that's the thing with the DJing. You know, I've been talking about dropping the DJ Marcus Wing, and it was that. It's that. Yep. You know, it's like I've done so many parties, and you can only you're only limited to certain amount of music you can play and please ninety percent of the crowd. Let me ask you this. What's the one song that you just can't ever? I, I'm sure I can there's list, hundreds. I can list 30. Okay. <laughs> give, me, give me one right now. That just, so the worst song that gets overly requested time after time after time is time Teach Me time? How to Dougie. Oh, oh no. That's my jam. Oh, I, I oh, want to no. slit my wrist every time I have to play that song. But yeah, that, that was hard for me was, you know, here I have to be an entertainer. Here I'm going in front of a crowd of, you know, three, 4,000 people playing music that I absolutely hate. Yeah. And I've got to sell it. Yep. So what? What? I, I mean, I, I'm you know I'm moving on from that. But in the case that people are doing that, what is your advice to them to get over that that hill? You the know what I mean? only thing that you can do, and so this is why I was bringing up uh, owning a job or owning a business, is the only way to turn a hobby business into something that you enjoy again is to turn it into a business. Yep. It's it's to separate yourself from that it you turn it into a means to an end instead of keeping it as a hobby business and the thing with adrenaline i was never able to do that that's why i sold it is it was always owning a job Mm -hmm. 
I was helping with parts. I was helping in, in the shop. I was doing all these things that it, I owned a job and I didn't enjoy that anymore. I didn't enjoy owning a job because not only I, I love doing jobs. Yeah. I love changing tires. If all I had to do is come into work and change tires, yeah. I actually really enjoyed that. Right. I loved it. But if you own that, now you stress because then when you're doing a tire, the phone rings and yep. you're like, ah, dang it. Yep. <laughs> now I have to do this and then do that. And, and you got your greasy hands. and Yes. Yep. And it's a nightmare and it start, you start hating it. Yep. So the only way to get away from that is to turn it to a means to an end. You then hire someone to be in that position and then you treat it like a true business. You run it like a business. You put the people in place to run the business that need to run it. Right. So that's why the flight school ended up working for me is because I was running adrenaline at the time I started the flight school. And I was actually asked to do it from the airport. They were like, hey, you should come and and, uh, start a flight school here. Uh, The FBO manager, Chris, actually mentioned that to me. And I was like, yeah, right. I'm not going to go do that. That sounds ridiculous. But when he mentioned that to me, I was like, okay, the only way I'm going to do this is if I have a manager at the airport, I have someone that's going to run this and all the numbers have to work. And so I built the business from the ground up that way with a manager, with a, with a chief pilot, with everything that's necessary for that to run autonomously. And I built it from the ground up that way and it worked. And then what I found out is that the flight school started making more money than the motorcycle shop did. Yep. And I was at the motorcycle shop busting my butt every day owning that job and I was making less money. I would get a report from my assistant down there. Um, her name was Sandy. She, I was getting reports from her and, and they made more money in that day. And I was like, I wasn't even there and they made more money than me. And I busted my butt on all these tires. Like this isn't worth it. I'm done owning a job. I want to own a business. And that was the big epiphany for me. Why I sold the motorcycle shop switched over to the flight school because that was a business. Yes, it was a hobby business. I did enjoy airplanes, but I ran it like a business, not like owning a job. (laughs) And guess who still loves airplanes? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You love flying. I know for a fact that you love flying. I still have maintained that I love flying. I I still do. When I get to go fly, I smile and the rest of my day is great. And I've been able to maintain that um, over the last, I've been, it's, you know, I've been running it for seven years now. Yeah. And your business revolves around flying, but you found a way to balance it. Exactly. And I think um, you probably did a lot of that unknowingly over the past few years. And then over, I think I've really seen you kind of develop this mentality over the last year or so that, okay, it's okay to delegate tasks. It's okay to have other people do things. I don't have to be the guy putting out every single fire. And that was a big step for me in my business. I realized one day like, all right, I'm not going to put out this fire. I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to, I'm going to, I've trained the person. I've got the guy in place. I'm going to see if they do their job. And you would be surprised how well your team of managers actually do when you make them make the decisions. Yep. If you set, I mean, you always sit back and see, but right now, for instance, uh, we've had a bunch of maintenance. We always have a wave of maintenance that comes in and goes out. And, and right now we had a wave of maintenance and, and this time I, I went to go step in. I, I, I got in the shop and I was like, all right, I'm going to make this right. Here we go. I'm going to get in the shop, put my head down. And I ended up, you know, slowing them do- down more over managing and micromanaging mm-hmm. them than, than letting them do the things that, that I've been training them to do for a while. So for the last couple of days, I would go home at noon and I would say, okay, I've given the marching orders. Here you go. And I'm, I'm going to leave. And I check in the next day. How did it end up? How did it wind up? And it ended up being more efficient doing it that way than it was for you to step in and actually do those things that you needed right. to do. Cause you, I have the best people right now. I have the best people in there. And if you, um, you know, my chief, uh, Tucker is amazing. And, um, Sean and Frank, and I've got this, uh, Nikki is our program director. I've got all these people here that I've got my team of people and they just do great. So if you can step back and let them make the decisions, uh, it's, it's amazing how well they can really do. 
you got to trust the process though. Exactly. Yep. You've, you've built it. You've deliberately put things together specifically. And then it gets to the point where you just got to take that leap of faith and hope that everything works. Yep. And guess what? Sometimes, a lot of times it doesn't. You got to get involved. You got to fix it again, but you can't always just coddle it. You can't just be there all the yep. time because if you are, it's never going to grow. Trust, but verify. Yeah. I like that. That's, that's a good point. <laughs> I'm writing Trust, that down right now. Trust, but verify. <laughs> exactly. That's, you, that's did you, a big Did I hear thing. that from you before? Did you, is that a common thing? That is a common thing. Yeah. I can't remember. I think it was they the say, president that said it or something. It was trust, but verify. Yeah. I wish I, was, I was, wish I was more intelligent on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I learned it from you. Um, th- then we have, a, a you know, on the opposite side of the table here, we have Kenny who, um, I mean, real estate can be a passion, but it's not like owning your own motorcycle business. So what is it like to run a business like that that's not necessarily something that you get uber excited about? Uh, You know what, though? I still passionately love real estate because I get to be creative. So if I was just buying widgets um, and reselling them or something, uh, I think I would lose passion. Um, The unique thing about what I do um, I guess similar to planes is there's a high cost of goods. So you, you know, every property we buy, it's uh, something that requires a lot of capital, which essentially requires a lot of work. So w- inside our company, we own several other companies. They all feed into the same company. So as I was listening to you guys talk earlier about owning different businesses, if you're the operator, yeah, you can get distracted and that business can start to kind of slide or you, get, you can get distracted too easily and then not give it what it needs. But it's unique how many businesses we own that all feed into our parent company. So whether it's the construction one that's helping the actual asset itself, the asset management, the property management, they're all helping kind of the main goal, the main core company, right? The, the company that owns all the properties. Um, but you can get caught up in one in- integral part of each of the different companies and, uh, and stay focused on that. Meanwhile, you've got all these other parts of the business that require your attention. And so putting the key people in place is, is obviously the goal. And then, and, and then giving them that autonomy to be able to make those decisions. Yeah, and one of the reasons I love what I do is I get to be creative in, val- in adding value to these properties, right? And I have key people that are, they're amazing at that. And it's so unique because all the different guys that I work with they're so extremely talented, but totally opposite. You know our, you know our good friend Jason Plyme. He mm-hmm. he does. He's head over all the construction projects. He manages over 100 properties at a time under construction. Now, next to him, we have a guy who he's a super optimistic. You know, uh, <laughs> if I ask him when a project's going to be done, he'll tell me two weeks before it's going to be done. Right. And and Jason will tell me two weeks after it's going to be done. So you've got this super conservative guy, and then you've got this other optimistic, positive guy. Then we got another guy right smack in the middle and it's finding that balance, having, you know, quality people working with people who maybe their weakness is someone else's strength and vice versa. And then having that, uh, you know, being able to build a team where your culture is uh, a place where you're like a family, you're a team, right? I think that's been the biggest success of where we've had so many different companies under one company and they all work closely together. They'll communicate effectively um, and because we're all working toward the same common goal. I love it. I love it. I mean, those are two very, very different businesses, two totally different styles of doing business, but the principles are all the same, guys. Um, 
you have to trust in the process, but before you can do that, you have to be able to create a good process. And whether you own your own business or whether it's just trying to create more, um, you know, a better function in your family life. That's a lot of guys listening to this work nine to five jobs. And there is like, there is nothing wrong with that. But instead, you're listening to this because you want to find a way to better your own life. You want to find a way to become better dad, better husband, uh, better friend. So these checklist items, although sometimes we do refer to business uh, more often than not, all these items apply directly to every aspect of your life. So with that said, Jason, obviously checklists are very important. Do you have any items that you want to add to our checklist? Honestly, uh, there's a few things. People are always wondering, and the number one question I get asked when it comes to starting a business is how do I get started and where do I start? That, that, and it, it honestly blows my mind because when I wanted to start a business, I just went out and did it. Right. Yeah. I was going to say right? the first time someone asked you that, did you give them the look like, what do you mean? Like you just do go it. do it, <laughs> I know right? Like, do it. Like if you're <laughs> asking me that question, I don't even know where to begin. Well, right? that is, it's crazy. It's like a lot of people are like, I don't know where to start. I don't know how to sign this. I don't have the money for this. I don't have the money for that. You know, and there's, there's just a few basic things that, that you have to do. And it's really the drive and motivation to get out and just do it. Just once you, once get you start started. Taking one step, one, you know, one foot in front of the other. Yeah. Once you start doing those things, certain things start falling into place. But it's, it's to start your own checklist. I think that's where I've had the most success is what am I going to get done today? I, I'm sure I've, every successful person I've talked to, we all have a checklist. We have a to-do list that we've got to get done during the day. And that is one of the biggest things that I've, that I've had to do. Today, we have to get this done. Tomorrow, we have to get this done. The next day, we have to get this done. And like I'm, that's, in, I'm in inception right now. Yeah, it's exactly. A checklist, checklist within a checklist. checklist. Oh. It's, uh, it's more of a to-do list to get I the things it. done in the day. List. It's the to-do list to get the stuff done at the day that you have, you know, in that, in this day, we have to accomplish this. And a lot of people, you know, you, you fall short of getting that done. So let me, uh, let's s- simplify that. You're going to start your own daily to-do list. And the best way to do that, uh, make a physical copy, actually write it out. There's yeah. power in, in using a pen and paper. Um, Andy Frazella, good buddy of mine, sells something called the Power List. It's basically like a daily uh, planner, and it allows you to put five key things on your daily list of things to do. Because if you put 15, 20, 30 things, the odds are that you're not going to do them. But anybody can accomplish five tasks in a day. So go to his website. I think it's uh, and just type in Andy Frazella, MFCEO, and then buy his Power List because it's a, literally a daily to- list that you can check items off, and you can kind of hold yourself accountable. So exactly. create your own daily to do or checklist and do it in ink, not just on your phone, right? Exactly. This is the craziest thing. I want to point out how many moving parts all of our different companies have, how many things we really genuinely have to accomplish on a day-to-day basis, but that I went through this a few years ago that you really have to write down five super duper important things and you have to get those things done because I'll tell you what happens and and I know everyone here at this table is guilty of this. If you don't start off with that list and focus on that one, how big is your list when you go 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 home? Is it not like three, four, five times as yes. long? <laughs> right. If you don't have those things, and this is so simple, and all the technology we have, you write out those at least five items, and uh, and you have to get those done. Um, to your question, you asked me earlier is how do I get passionate about real estate and stuff? Don't get me wrong; there are days that I go home feeling like I didn't accomplish anything. I do the dishes or sweep the floor or something, and I feel like I accomplished way more at work. I may have made a ton of money, but you know, in my business, it's wires here, wires there. You don't get this tangible accomplishment, but checking off five things a day is so rewarding. It's so powerful. Even though we've all, we're all accomplishing so many more things, 
Yep. But those five important things are crucial. Sometimes, I got to be honest with you, I create, uh, I put items on my list that I was going to do anyways <laughs> because I just like the feeling. You have to. I like the feel. Dude, I caught myself yesterday morning. I, uh, I was something that. so dumb. I think, dude, I think here's what, I had to email somebody. And <laughs> I was already emailing that person. I went to my list and I wrote email so-and-so. Went back, finished my email, clicked it, and then bam, I knocked it off my list because there's power in that. <laughs> hey, is, and, and is. when is the best time to attack the next thing on your list? Right after you check something yeah, off. Exactly. Yeah. It literally, yeah, it's, it's just like cells. You know, yep. go go high. get the next you know difficult but one. Do an easy is, one, then a hard one. That's literally what my day consists of. Yep. Is I write down all the things I need to do, and then I go after it. There's no reason. This is next on my list. I am getting it done. I'm putting my head down until this thing is done. Whatever it may be, it is getting done. You, you know what the hardest part for me doing that was? If I accomplished my list at 2 p.m. Yeah. Oh, that, it's that, a weird... that is the worst feeling. So I have two of the worst feelings I have. Is when <laughs> that my... almost never happens to me. So really? I'm, I'm almost like confused over here. When, when my to-do list has 60 or more items, I get stressed out. Yep. And when my to-do yeah. list has three or less items, yep. I stress out. Because yep. then I'm like, I'm forgetting something. You're going my looking list should for be, problems. Yeah, I, I go look for problems <laughs> but, at that point. Dude, that does bring me to my next point, which I wanted to talk about was... If you do finish your to-do list and you've got all your critical items done and it's 2 p.m. and you obviously you have the ability to go home for the day. Take your boots off. Take your boots off. Wait yeah, a minute. Man. Hold on. Are you saying what I think you're saying? I'm telling you exactly. Very clearly, this is not something I was capable of doing up until about the last year of my life. And um, it's very important. It's actually some notes that I wrote down. Um, you cannot grow. You physically can't grow unless you rest. Rest so is such a critical part. Rest. I used to have on there for many years reward. Same thing. Yet, kind of. So, how many hobbies do we have uh, specifically? Oh, I'll tell you right restful. now. If I go out, if I go out and ride my dirt bike, to me, that's rest. Absolutely. Sure, we go do that. We go do that. Don't get me wrong. Rejuvenating. Do you want to know what my one of my other top ones are? Massage. That's oh, a yeah. reward yeah. and rest. Yep. I feel like I'm doing something, so I don't feel lazy. And uh, it's rewarding. <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you right now, there's been days where I finish my, it's not, it doesn't happen very often, but if I finish at 2 or 3 p.m., I'll go over to my shop, my little, you know, my, my uh, bat cave where nobody Every can find me. Every paradise. Where I can yeah. see you from my office. <laughs> right, exactly. And then I come can, wandering yeah. over. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I'll, I'll, I'll put my phone on sometimes even airplane mode and just go work on a motorcycle, go turn some wrenches and it took me a long time to get over the anxiety of thinking, oh, I should be at work. I should be looking at this. I should be looking at that. But dude, it is so rewarding to be able to give yourself time to decompress. One, one of the biggest things you can do is, um, is create something with your hands or do something with dude, your hands yep. because that's what we do day in is we, yep. we hit our heads against a wall all day long trying to figure out problem solutions. It's very mentally taxing. And one of the best things you can do is create something with your hands. Yep. That is amazing. It's a great feeling or work. Uh, motorcycles are a huge thing. Thing for me so once i really started loving motorcycles i i built a little man cave here on yeah. redwood road and i would go over there turn on music and i would change the oil on a bike that probably didn't need an oil change or i would yep. i would tighten the spokes for the 15th time yep. because i just enjoy doing that it's I manual it. labor it's, it's actually it's getting the blood flowing and you're not doing it because you have to you're doing yep. it because it takes you back to the roots and the core of why you did it in the first place because you exactly. love it so that that actually it's funny that segues right into uh, my checklist item, which is going to be um, rest, take a break. Um, and you need to learn what those options are because 
you know, when you think of rest, you think go home and get a good night's sleep. Yeah, that's obvious. That's one of the big ones. Um, but if you work an office job or you work in an area where you don't necessarily get to break away from a, you know, your intense work environment, you need to find a way to go take a two minute walk, two or three or four or five or 10 minute walk. Uh, one of the happiest people that's ever worked for me, one of the coolest, most like energetic, colorful, beautiful people, her name's Dee. And, um, she, uh, every single day I would see her from my office window. She'd be hula hooping across the street. She'd be going on long <laughs> yes. walks. She would take this time to like decompress and she, it, they weren't long breaks. They were like five, 10 minute breaks. But, um, there's a lot of science that backs that up. You need to get up and take a break. And, um, one thing that I think a lot of us are guilty of is our breaks are probably pulling out our phone and, you know, scrolling through Facebook and social media. Yeah. I learned something, uh, actually just today. I was listening to an audiobook and it's, it was talking about that very thing. Instead of doing that, either get yourself a um, subscription to National Geographic or go to the website and go enjoy something beautiful rather than just the mundane. So Instagram, you know, Facebook, whatever it is, go learn about freaking the Himalaya mountains or go learn about the Alps. Go, go look at nature. And the, and it says, there's a quote that went along with it that says, when you were feeling down, Put yourself in the way of beauty. Dude, it is so simple. Like, if you are feeling burnt out, or if you're feeling tired, get up, take a walk, and change your scenery. That's one thing I love about Utah. Sometimes, some days I'll be, you know, working so hard for a whole week straight that I won't even put my head up. Like, right. I'll, I'll actually go out, yeah. be driving home, and be like staring up at the mountains, right. and I'll just be like, oh my gosh, yep. I haven't seen them in for so long. Yep. <laughs> I don't even remember looking up because I got and, so and involved in work. Dude, for they're so a mile many days. away from us. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so that's, it, it really is critical, guys. You need to learn how to unplug um, in, you know, obviously big, big spurts. But I'm talking like, I just, had a uh, weekend vacation with my wife down in Florida and it was amazing. I came back feeling so refreshed and rejuvenated, but you also need to figure out those little two, five, 10 minute rewards during the day. Otherwise you are not going to be able to operate at the capacity that you should be. This is kind of backwards from everything else that you hear from everybody else. You hear grind, grind, grind. You got to right. be on the grind 24, seven, 20, you know, whatever. And uh, man, I'm the opposite. If I did that every day, that would be completely useless and I would not operate well. Like I found myself, like I keep my dirt bike in the back of a sprinter van, you know, sometimes, I mean, back in the day, I remember getting calls from you, Dan Spurgeon, Dave Kiley saying, Hey, let's go ride. And I would turn my van around going one direction to do some work and I'd flip around and we go ride. Yep. And I feel like my business is a lot more successful because I take the time to reward myself and to do things that I like and to get away from that 24 right. seven grind, you yep. know, and keep in mind balance in all things. Exactly. Don't go, don't go the complete opposite and start taking breaks and rewarding you for every right. little thing that you have to do. You do have to grind. You yep. have sure. to work hard. Sure. But, um, the biggest thing that I've learned too is, is balance in all things. Everything that you do, you have to have balance. And the second you're out of balance in, in one thing or another, you're working too much, you're playing too much or whatever, um, you won't be successful. You have to find that happy medium in order to be successful. And you know, that's the beauty of our brains and the way our bodies work is we have these natural triggers inside of us that tell us whether we're balanced or not. Exactly. It, it, you, you, don't, know. you don't just have to rely on somebody being like, dude, you should, yeah. you should play more or you're playing too much. Like, you know. Yeah. Whether yeah. you care to admit it or not, you know. And so it's important to find that balance, like Jason said. But I think um, a lot of entrepreneurs and young, ambitious people like us have a tendency to forget that it's okay to just take a break. Do you remember the audiobook you shared with me this summer? 
Well, uh, one of them. Uh, which one? We I shared multiple. a few. Uh, peak performance. That's the one I'm referring to. That's where. Peak performance. I remember listening to this and talking to you about this and like kind of being like, why did you share this with me? Do you remember this conversation? I remember saying like, so these guys got super burned out and then never went back to doing what they're doing. I was only partway through because that's how it starts, right? Yep. yep. Uh, Some world distance runner or or speed runner ends up uh, just retiring at a young age who's probably going to be the fastest runner ever. Well, hindsight, he missed out on like all of his childhood and all these things. But then it, it gave those specific za- examples that the top performing salespeople, the top people in organizations were taking breaks. It was like every hour they took a 10 minute break. Was that what it was? Yeah. Uh, it was, no, it's, it's basically every hour is like a two minute break. Two minutes. Yeah. And that they were the highest producers versus people who worked long, long, long hours, which law of diminishing return, uh, on and on, uh, you essentially get, you know, way less results. Uh, and then they have a big break. They get slothful. They lose, you know, being engaged. So I, I love that you brought this up. Yeah, it's it's a, it's peak performance. I refer to that book a lot in this podcast because it is very much like a checklist item book. It, it just basically it digs into the stupid things that we do that sometimes we don't realize that we're doing that really affect our performance. Um, and so, Jason, I see you obviously living a lot of these things in your own life, and that's why you've been successful and you're building this big uh, business that's that's successful. Um, my checklist item number two was learning how to rest. Is there anything else that anybody wants to add to the checklist? Kenny? Something simple that as we were talking came to my mind that I think has been a building block for all of us is when you go to the gym, you don't work out the same. Uh, you, 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 you can't lift as much weight, uh, you know, every day and getting burnout or, or 20 times in a day or 30 times in a day, or whatever it is, the, the the weight eventually starts to feel heavier and heavier if you don't stop in a rep, right? Mm-hmm. But the same thing goes hand-in-hand that, you know, in working out, you build little by little, but by being consistent. And you'll burn your muscles out, or you'll get an injury, um, or you won't recover if you work out too often, right? But if you slack off, you get out of shape. So it's finding that balance of knowing when you've recovered that you can still go hard, rework those muscle groups, um, and so I, I, I liken a lot of things to working out. Um, you mentioned earlier, look, when you first started working out, you were shocked how much you could lift, but then how quickly you got results because you were resting properly. You had the proper nutrients. So I think uh, the checklist would be, remember to build little by little consistently. You're not going to get all the results in one day. It'll take time, but being consistent, right? You know, sharpening that saw, keep hacking at it. Yep you'll get far further by just being consistent. Yep. No, I think that that goes hand in hand with um, learning how to rest and learning how to just be, create that consistency in your body because there's a reason why, you know, even bodybuilders have to have their rest days. They have to be able to give that muscle a break because they damaged it. And as it's healing, that's when the muscles are growing and creating new muscles. And so then they, they give it time to heal. Then they go back and tear it down again. And as you, as you take two steps forward and one step back, that's life. That's okay. Yeah. That's that you yeah. have to be okay with that. So, um, that's huge. I think the final thing I want to add to the list is something very simple that I already touched on is, um, and Jason, you do this really well, uh, expose yourself to the beauty of nature, right? Like how cool is it when you get to jump on your bike and ride to the top of Farmington and then ride down? Like, dude, you're not thinking yeah. about any, your problems disappear. That's when you, the creative juices really get flowing and you're just, you're living. 
Exactly. That's that's actually where a lot of the ideas come to me is is when you when you tear everything out and get back to the base of what living is. Mm-hmm. Um, those those moments of of thrill or adrenaline rushes that you get. Um, those are the moments of the most clarity that I've ever had. And it's amazing. You could be um, you could be working every single day on one thing and you start closing everything. You start closing your mind to other things. You start, you, you don't get to see the big picture. Right. And when you actually get away, you take a minute, you take a day off, you, you go to the mountains, you clear your head, you do something physically demanding or, and it's not just, you know, sitting in nature. It, it's got, you know, it's, if you work, if you, if you work hard, you, you, you bring your body, you know, to a point where you can actually clear your head. That is yeah. where you get that moments of clarity that, yeah. that will potentially make you extremely successful. Yeah. Go enjoy a hike, go enjoy a hard bike ride, go do whatever it is. Just get outside, get that fresh air and change your scenery. Marcus, you got something to say? Well, I just want to clarify. You said expose yourself to the beauty of nature. Is this like a nudist thing? Like, am I supposed to go up in the mountains and get I, naked? Look, I've hey, never done it, but I've, I've heard there's powerful, there's something powerful about just being, being one with nature. So. I, I have no problem being if you, nude. If you choose to <laughs> you walk know? around naked in nature, please do not do it in an area where you're going to get a lewdness ticket because those, <laughs> right. you do not want to be that guy that has to register in no public house. Parks. every neighborhood that you move into so no public parks uh, nope so, but I mean it, it really is it's there's something liberating about being out in the outdoors I was just telling Jason earlier that my favorite spot to ride dirt bikes is American Fort Canyon it's because yeah. like the beauty like where you're riding these little trails and you're riding through trees and you're doing wheelies through you know like these little clouds of like colored uh, leaves that are falling yeah, and yeah. you see a moose coming around a corner and it's like you come off that ride it's almost and like a there's cartoon. no better feeling right yeah it's so beautiful all right, guys, you, as a listener, you're awesome. I just got to tell you that right now. Like, I don't care what you're going through or what kind of things are happening in your life right now. Just keep in mind that you're a badass and you have the ability to make big, impressive moves right now, tonight, tomorrow, the next day. You have the ability to literally change the course of your life right now. Do not feel stuck. If you feel stuck, take, go get a second opinion because I promise you, you're not. You have the ability to do big, powerful, amazing things. Um, like we've said before, you just got to be dumb enough to do it. So one last time, recap, recapping the checklist. Number one, start your own daily to-do list. My suggestion was to go buy Andy Frazella's little power list because it's already laid out uh, and give yourself at least five things to do every single day and check those things off with a pen. Number two, learn how to rest. Learn how rest applies to you. Whether it's, if you sit at a a computer all day, give yourself a five minute break every couple hours, get up, walk around, get the blood flowing. Um, And sometimes rest isn't always sleeping. Sometimes rest is actually getting your heart rate up, but taking a break from what you have to do for work is a big, big deal. So please, please learn how to rest. Um, and then, you know, that goes hand in hand with what Kenny said, which is be consistent in it. Do not just do it once. Uh, don't go take a two minute break once a month and think you're going to be good. You got to do this every single day. Um, otherwise you will get burnt out and burnout is a terrifying thing, guys. It is, it is terrifying. Um, I actually forgot to add uh, at the top of the list, which is what we're going to do with the, the Ed Milet podcast. So I will add it, um, at the bottom. Um, the third item was expose yourself to nature, get outside, feel, the freaking fresh air. If you have mountains nearby you, go for a hike. If you live in the desert, go wander the desert. Just get outside and enjoy God's green earth because he created this amazing, amazing creation for us, for us to enjoy, explore, and wander. That's human. That's like that's like our most primal instinct. So get out there and do it. And then number four, which was obviously, you know, number one of the original, the top of the podcast is 
Stop what you're doing and go to any podcast platform and Google or type in Ed Milet and then listen to his episode called Blissful Dissatisfaction. I promise you the 30 minutes that you spend listening to that podcast will change your life immediately, like immediately. So please do these items, guys. Um, We share these with you because they have actually helped us in so many ways. And I know that if you do them, you're going to feel better, live better, and Ultimately, in, being, in doing that, you're going to be able to impact other people's lives. You're going to be able to make your family life better, your kids feel better, the people at your work, and you're going to be able to, you know, it sounds cliche, but start making the world a better place. So please do these items. Thank you for listening. Please, please, please go to the iTunes store and leave a rating, a review. Uh, talk about the podcast. Uh, hit us on uh, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, hit the uh, hashtag heavy checklist and uh, share this because... We do this because you guys um, have motivated us to keep doing it. So in order to do that, we want to see that it's doing good. So share it and help us out. Thank you so much, and we will see you next time.